Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. And for this episode, I'm going to go ahead and tack on my other title there, and that's NBC4 Los Angeles Medical Contributor. And the reason I'm tacking that one along is because I'm going to be talking about the nurse's growing role in media today. And um, there's been a lot in the news, guys, a lot, a lot, a lot in the news. And I know because nursing is the largest segment of the healthcare workforce, and because we know social media is such a powerful tool beyond television, that there are several ways to deliver a message and for it to go viral very quickly. And we know that social media is a gift and a curse, right? Gives us, it gives everyone actually a platform to say something, to say what they feel, what they think. And it's been a powerful tool as well as for media and for journalists. Um, no longer do you just have to wait to the seven o'clock, eight o'clock, 10 o'clock hour for your news, you can actually go on social media and it's actually a continuation and you can actually see real time coverage of things going on in the world today, thanks to social media. Now back to nursing, how nursing plays a role in this. Nursing is the largest segment of the healthcare workforce. We all have social media at our fingertips. As healthcare providers, there are so many things so much good and so much power behind social media that whatever we say out of our mouths, once we identify as a nurse on social media, in blogs, on television, there lends the credibility of nursing to what we have to say. So just recently, nursing was awarded again for the 21st year in a row, the most ethical profession per the Gallup polls. So what does that mean, y'all? It means that people trust us. People believe us. People believe nurses are some of the most trustworthy professionals out there. We beat doctors, we beat firemen, we beat police officers, all of that stuff. We were number one on the list for the 21st year in a row. And I'll tell you, these last couple of years have been rough for us. It's been rough in these um, healthcare streets, if you will. Uh, we all know that there's been, there's a nursing shortage, right? We know that. Then comes along this thing called a pandemic, world pandemic, right? And it thrusted nurses into the spotlight. It showed the world how important the role of nursing is if they didn't already know. Many people thought, oh, nurses, they give shots. They do what the doctor orders. And while that is true in some cases, but shout out to my mid-level providers out there, nurse practitioners, clinical nurse specialists, nurse midwives, and nurse anesthetists, um, still, People didn't realize the significance, the importance, the 24-7, 365 role that nurses play. And when COVID came along, 
with everyone rushing to the hospitals, hospitals overwhelmed, not enough hospital beds, us pitching tents in the parking lots to provide care for people. Who was there showing up? Who was there starting those IVs, giving those medications? Um, Who was doing all those things? Not the doctor, the nurses. Now, I'm not going to say that there aren't doctors out there who jumped in to help. Of course, they pulled, you know, rolled up their sleeves and jumped in there. But nursing, 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 nursing. So here we were, these heroes, you know, along with other frontline providers and first responders, because, hey, there are so many sick people out there. Healthcare providers were doing their thing. We were, it was demonstrated that we were significantly needed. And here we are. But then there's these other stories with travel nursing and making all this money and nurses gouging hospitals. And this is not sustainable for healthcare. And nurses are selfish. And all these other stories started coming out. You had nurses who were quitting and leaving the bedside by the droves. Now, mind you, I understand why, but you know, these reporters would catch sometimes these most very emotional um, nurses on television. And there's no shade to being, you know, having emotions. But unfortunately, media was able to paint a picture of nurses, you know, the slice of the pie showing or displaying that we're selfish, we're money hungry, and we're not as genuine and sincere in the care that they we once portrayed and all these things. So we went from hero to zero fairly quickly. And along during the pandemic, social media, I mean, everything took an uptick. All these OTT over the top media platforms like Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and all these things, you know, everyone's watching things like that because they're at home. They can't do anything. And because we needed to deliver important messages about healthcare very quickly, these platforms became the way in which people started to get their information television, social media, and some of these um, OTT platforms. Now, to television, to that point, I'll say I've been doing media for quite some time. So some of you may or may not know, but I started doing television in 2012, actually before, maybe 2010. Um, Definitely was doing radio and blogs and blogs before they became popular. But television, I've been doing television. I've been on nearly every national platform, Um, National TV station, Dr. Oz, the doctors, Dr. Drew, like all those medical shows that have come and gone. I've been on them. I was on television almost every day, multiple times throughout the day, talking about COVID. Now, even before the pandemic, I was coming on television still at least weekly talking about different health issues. You know, this celebrity had this medical condition or there's this, you know, string of overdoses with fentanyl lace drugs. What's fentanyl? And, you know, just doing health education wellness promotion on television. And when the pandemic came as a health expert on television, I'm talking about COVID, you know, the latest information, what's happening literally day by day, step by step at these, when we didn't have enough tests, what were the signs and symptoms? What should you do? And then when the vaccines came up, I was talking about step by step, you know, what Pfizer, Moderna and J&J were doing, talking about their trials, talking about their studies, talking about the process in which vaccines are made, like literally educating the public, you know, why are brown and black people three to four times more likely to die from COVID, exposing health inequities and all of these things. So I'm literally being the nurse, the advanced practice nurse that I, I truly am on television. And I have to say, I was very honored that NBC4 Los Angeles I'm their main go-to person for medical and health coverage. And I attribute that to 
my consistency, my passion, my skill set, both on and off the television and in practice. But needless to say, people saw a nurse on television, right? You don't see this often. You often see physicians, doctors, those type of things, people in white lab coats. Here I am, woman of color, nurse. And yes, I wore scrubs sometimes, but then, you know, I kind of dressed it up a little bit. So I switched up the pace and I was relatable. I wasn't on there trying to just sound smart. I was on there with a few seconds that I had wanting to deliver some very powerful and empowering points that people needed to know to stay safe and to stay alive. So I'm doing this every day, multiple times a day, different hours of the day. So people came to know me and my stories here in Los Angeles often got onto the the website, which also other NBC affiliates picked up. I was also able to help clarify any confusion or misconceptions. You know, health journalists, uh, very passionate about health, but they're not nurses or they're not doctors. So there are idiosyncrasies of healthcare that we know that the public doesn't. And in a few seconds, if you can break that down and share it and make it meaningful for the health consumers, that's golden. It's truly golden. And so I've been able to do that. So I've had this very unique role in media. And people ask me all the time, like, how did you get to do that? And I never set out to do it. It's something that I gravitated towards. And because of my passion for community health, public health, and using health literacy, making very complex things and breaking it down so it's very simple for the end user to understand, that's my goal. That's my goal. And I also wanted to make sure that well-rounded stories were told, that the most important things were told. And sometimes journalists don't have the time to research all that. And so they needed to partner with someone. So not only have I been on air as a health expert, I've also helped shape, informed and solidified stories. I've debunked stories that were myths and, you know, scrutinize the data. I'm like, look, this is a study of only 12 people. Throw that out of here. It's, you know, it's not relatable. It's not something that you can generalize to the public. So my health research background also was very helpful. So those are the things that I've gotten to do in nursing. And I still do to this day. I've written lots of articles because of all of the stories that have been popping up. A lot of nurse stories, a lot of stories about nurses And again, I kind of alluded to earlier, nurses went from hero to zero, and you're seeing a lot more stories about nurses. The issue could be nothing related to healthcare. It could be lady kicks dog down the street, and they'll switch the story up to nurse kicks dog down the street. So you can see how media can frame stories, and these stories are depicted in a certain way. And they leave a certain imprint and impression on the viewership. So it's very important that we as nurses, if you find yourself in a role and you're like, you know what, I see this and I want to tell this story. I'm going to pop on social media, do a live, do a TikTok or do a whatever. And I'm going to tell this story. By all means, use your platform for how, however you will use it. What I'm here today to talk about is just some guardrails and some words of advice that I wish I had and that I would gladly tell anyone who's in the healthcare field, especially nurses, as this role grows into media, because whether we like it or not, you're a nurse. So I know you clock in and clock out to work. Maybe, okay, maybe you're salaried, whatever. But when you're at work, you're a nurse. When you come home, you're like, I'm off the clock. Well, to the public, if you're portraying yourself on your public platform as a nurse, you're a nurse 24-7. You're a nurse when you're feeding the dog. You're a nurse when you're taking your kids to, to soccer practice. You're a nurse when you're 
out at the grocery store, you're a nurse. If that's how you identify yourself on social media. So myself, I identify myself as Ask Nurse Alice because I want people to ask me questions. I'm Ask Nurse Alice on all social media platforms. I'm the nurse, uh, chief nursing officer at nurse.org. I identify as a nurse. Yes, I'm not always on the clock taking care of patients, but I do have this sense and it's, it's something that I that I accept and I embrace, that as a public figure, I am looked at and unfortunately scrutinized differently than some people who are not public figures. It's kind of the, it's the give and take. It's the double-edged sword. You want this, we got to deal with that. But everything I do and everything I say and the words that I select are very influential. I'll take, for example, I was talking, I was telling a story about who is most vulnerable for COVID and serious illness. And on television, I mistakenly use the word and our older folks, instead of saying our, our elderly or our senior, I said older folks, and there are people who take offense to the word older. So it's just like, oh, golly, right? And while that doesn't really matter, like I'm not going to really trip off of that, but still people are listening to every single word you say, okay? So when there are stories that come into the, media, especially nursing. And you know, we are, we are a tight knit family. When you, when you bother one nurse, you bother us all. So when we look at the story of the Tennessee nurse that went to trial for mistakenly giving the wrong medication to a patient who ultimately died, nurses were, you know, were in a rage. We're talking about how unfair things were, how the hospital system had failed her and all these things. And yes, while all of those things were true, one thing that I found in the many stories and lives and social media's things that were told were stories or what we call talking heads. No offense. Don't take offense to that because that's just what it's called. A talking head is someone in media who just talks. And they're not necessarily as fact-based or evidence-based. They're speaking more from an emotional sense rather than from an objective sense. Now, This is interesting because I want to mention this and don't get your villains hurt. Journalists go to school and they learn to be objective, to tell both sides of the story, to not insert themselves. You know, their feelings aren't inserted, aren't knowingly, right? They don't knowingly insert their feelings into stories. They're supposed to be objective, state the facts, don't assume anything because you know what happens when you assume. You make an ass out of you and me. That's true journalism. Over the years, that's evolved. We've seen different networks, you know, some are right wing, some are left wing, and you can tell from the way they tell their stories. So there's been an evolution of some journalists, storytellers or talking heads, if you will. Now they tell stories from the things that they feel or they think without necessarily having done the research. So back to the Tennessee story, Tennessee nurse story. I found that many of the people on social media, nurses, although as passionate as they were, as well intended as they were. They didn't do their research. Not only what happened in that, they read one article and they're like, oh, I know this story. When no, this is just like nursing research, guys. You have to read several articles. You have to benchmark practice. You have to go to the statistics. You should have read the court documents, you know, and reading stories from different points of views and you know, listen, watching video, watching interviews of the person talking. Did you watch the trial? And things like that. And so, and I know some of y'all went to the trial, which, you know, that's a whole nother thing. If you went to the trial to report fact, fact-based things, that's fine to each his own. But many of the stories were one-sided. They were actually incorrect. 
They were misleading. And nurses, I know we're better than that. I know we're better than that. I know we were all in up in arms because of what happened in the position that nurse was put in. But if we were to be more objective, if we were to like really sit back, look at the bigger picture, what are all of the things that went wrong? Where are the opportunities for improvements? What are the processes? Not just what happens in your hospital. What are the processes? Like, did you go to the joint commission and look at, you know, medical errors? Did you go to, like, there were so many resources that you needed to tap into to be able to factually and objectively speak to that story. Now, if you came to a conclusion or felt a certain way, obviously you're a nurse, right? Maybe you've been in a similar situation. You could relate to the nurse that was in that story. But as a reporter, as a journalist, you must be objective. Now, some of you may not identify as such. You're a nurse influencer. You're a nurse and someone who influences. So please, my request to you is that you just influence with factual information. That's all I'm asking for. And I'm not calling anyone out. Absolutely not. Because I think there are some great folks out there, you know, great platforms, you know, and I have my own platform and we're all each going to do our thing differently. But as a nurse's role grows in media, it's going to be more important. What we say is going to be more scrutinized because believe me, there are outlets out there that fact checked what you say. And there have been some news nurse influencers who've been called out for misrepresenting, misreporting and, you know, allegedly saying what happened when they didn't do their due diligence. And I get it. Social media is fun. It's it's quick. It's rapid. I mean, it works so fast. And many of you might think, well, nobody's going to be looking at that after a week because that'll be old news. Not true. Not true. Stuff gets looked at several weeks, months, and even years after you believe anyone's looking at it. There are other stories about strikes, nurses going on strikes at hospitals. And while we as nurses understand why folks are going on strike. And I think recently there was a hospital where nurses all knowingly called out sick and it left the hospital with their pants down, not a lot of time to get, you know, replacement nurses. And, you know, there was some discussion. There was actually some kikiing about it online, like, haha, that's what the hospital gets. But what about the patients? So this is also where I want to mention that as a nurse with a platform, yes, We need to stand up for our rights. We need to advocate in a unified fashion. But at a certain point, when patient care is severely compromised and severely compromised because of us now, not because of the hospital, but because of us, because we all decided not to go to work and left them with nothing. Who did you think was going to take care of those patients for real legit? Like, I understand making your voice heard, but That's the difference between that situation, announcing a strike. You at least give the opportunity for the hospital to protect the public. Somebody's got to take care of these patients, whether even if you don't want to, because you're standing up for a certain reason, that's fine. But don't allow the patient to suffer. And I think that nurses who cover those stories or who really highlight and make those things go viral really can damage the image and credibility of nursing. And that's the opposite of what you want to do while you have this platform. As the nurse's role grows in media, we want to use our platforms to advocate, to educate, to empower, to influence. And we want to influence important things, things that will influence practice, policy, staffing, resources. But if we do so in a way that 
short changes public safety, short patient, short changes patient care, then that can be an issue. Now, some of you say, well, we're understaffed and that's patient care safety issue too, Nurse Alice. It is. However, do we fight fire with fire? Because that just creates more fire. You're supposed to fight fire with water and put out the fire. So my plea today is that the nurses are just more aware of what they're saying and that recognize that when we're online and we're having these conversations, also to be professional when you are talking or rebuttaling someone else, all this back and forth and belittling people, bullying people, y'all, that's not a look. That's not a look that we want. Nurses definitely have a growing role because we are, we just, there's so many of us and there's, we have a platform to do it. And I have to say, if nurses want to continue in a positive way to have a role and to have more nurses become regular contributors on larger platforms, organized platforms, like what I get to do, it's important that we're credible, we're consistent, we're professional, and we don't put anyone's brand at risk. I know that's going to sound really silly or really, I don't know how that's going to sound really. I'll say nursing. We don't want to jeopardize or undermine the profession of nursing, right? So I'm a contributor at NBC for Los Angeles. I'm, I have actually have a clause in my contract about inappropriate behavior and how I can get fired for that. And I think that's also why hospitals have very tight reins and policies about social media nurses too. They don't want nurses, they don't want to be associated with nurses who have, who are loose cannons on social media, misleading patients, not being factual, um, not evidence-based things. And that's why hospitals have policies like that. You just have to be careful. Now, when you're on social media, like this is my own brand, this is just me. Yes, but unless you're a 1099 independent worker, then you really have to be even more careful. Now, I understand there are people on social media who work for themselves and that's fine because you don't have to answer to a boss. You don't you know you are your own boss. But still, even then, you still have an important role in nursing and people most more than likely look up to you if you're a social media influencer. So please, you know, model how you would like to see other professionals conduct themselves on social media. I'm going to pivot to this more recent story, the 7,600 nursing fake degrees. Now I've heard a lot of things on this story and I heard a lot of the same things because it looked like nurses all read the same. A lot of people read the same article and reported the same things and they all ended with like, so what do you think? Let me drop it down in the comments. And I get it. You want engagement on your social media posts. Totally fine. But I think what's important is that when you're engaging your audience like that, is that you're also equipping them with information. You're educating, you're being informative, and you're helping to close the gaps on any type of confusion or miscommunication or just answering questions that they have. So like with the 7,600 fake nursing degrees, not all of those nurses pass their NCLEX. I think that's important. That's one thing because I've heard nurses, some nurses telling the story like, oh my gosh, 7,600 nurse, nurses. They're not nurses. They were people who went to nursing school and got fake degrees. Not all of them took the NCLEX and passed. Some of them took the NCLEX and didn't pass. And just for a side note, this is how well-rounded you should be in your research. Did you know that for 2020 and 2021, Florida had the worst NCLEX passing rates, first-time passing rates in all of the nation? Well, now that this story has come out, we can see why. (laughs) We definitely can see why. But I think some things that could have 
rather than just pointing blame and just just highlighting like fake degrees, nurses, fake degrees, because that's what goes viral online, not just for us within the nursing community, but for the public. So in that 7,600 fake nursing degrees, sometimes Florida was included in the title, sometimes it wasn't. But then that's for people, the general public who don't read those articles, they just hear, oh my gosh, fake nursing degrees. So they generalize it to all nurses. You have to be precise in what you're reporting and you have to be factual. So of those 7,600 fake degrees, 3,200 of them, roughly, approximately, passed the NCLEX. Didn't say if it was the first time, second time, third time, whatever, doesn't matter. These are people who mostly were in Florida, but there are people out of state. These people that passed the NCLEX have been licensed in several states outside of Florida. But I think things that people wanted to know is like, well, how did this happen? Why? And so, you know, I would have liked to hear, have heard stories about the owners of these schools mentioning that these are small, privately owned schools that are no longer in operation. I think that's so significant for the public to hear. So they know that this is not continuing to happen. Also important to pose a question, what is Florida's Board of Registered Nursing and the Florida Department of Health's role in approving and overseeing programs. And also details about these programs. How long were they in operation? How many students went through? Once these schools started to have deficiencies, what did the Board of Registered Nursing do? And even after these schools were closed, was there any oversight from the Board of Registered Nursing? Also, what is a Board of Registered Nursing? You know, did you guys know that the governor of each state assigns appoints people to the Board of Registered Nursing. Some of these people are regular consumers who have no nursing or healthcare background, period. And then some are actually nurses. Some are RNs, some are administrators, some are LPNs. You know, those type of things, the composition of the Board of Registered Nursing. And then also, what has been done in the state of Florida since this has happened? Also, did you know that all of those attendees who received those faked degrees, their names were sent to all of the different states in their Board of Registered Nursing so they could do what they will with them, which sounds like they're going to retract their license. So it's more than fake nursing degrees, arrests, 25 people arrested, and they made over $114 million. Like there's more to that story, guys. And the reason why there's more to that story is because we really want to understand why this is happening, because we want to, ex we want the public to know that Nurses just aren't shady. Here's the story. Here's the story of how this came to be, what happened. This is who the important bodies that are involved. These are their processes and these are the gaps. So resolution to this would mean that would indicate or suggest that the Board of Registered Nursing do yada, 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 right? People want to know. People want to know. Like they had fake nursing degrees and fake transcripts. Is that all you need to take the NCLEX? What is the process for being eligible to take the NCLEX exam? Also, like some other things, if these schools were closed, how are they, how are they still getting degree? How are they still taking the NCLEX in, you know, in 2020 and 2021? Well, did you know that they backdated the degrees and the transcripts? And so when they came up to being eligible for the NCLEX, they just had to accept it. There, I mean, there was no way to go back to a closed school because the school is closed, right? There's nothing for the Board of Registered Nursing to do if to go back to a closed school. The school is closed. Records closed. Like there's nothing there. There's just transcripts and there's a fake degree. So did you know that? So when it comes to 
the nurses growing role in media, if you're going to be one that comments on breaking stories about these strikes or fake degrees, or let's say, you know, nurse charged with administering insulin in IV bags and da 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 da, like have some facts about it. Have some facts behind you. Do some research. Understand who's involved, what the process is, what usually happens, so you can identify what didn't happen, so you can paint a picture for the consumer so they can understand, ah, oh, okay, I see what happened here. Because we really want people to understand like this isn't the norm. This isn't the regular. This really isn't easy to do, right? But these schools were so small enough that they could. There was not a lot of oversight like there is at a, you know, four-year university or something like that. And then also, you know, some other stories is if you want to piggyback on this, you know, these nurses who participated with these fake degrees they literally were solicited. So, and I'm now I'm going to speculate, but I'm speculating here in this conversation with you because I want to know the answer. And hopefully maybe if you're listening, maybe you'll find out the answer, but how did they solicit nurses to pay this money and to falsify education, right? How could they do that? So were these vulnerable groups that were they were targeting were these people who already had some healthcare background, maybe nurses in other countries who couldn't get licensed in the United States? Like, you, you got to ask because the NCLEX is a hard test to pass. So you can't just go in there like being total auto mechanic all your life and then all of a sudden getting this degree and passing the NCLEX. Like, I don't believe that was the case. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm strongly inclined to believe that whoever entered this program had some form of healthcare background or experience. Maybe they're a physician in their other country. Like, I don't know. We don't know. Those are things that we still still need to come out. But the reason why I ask that question is because we know un- better understanding the population of those who are involved will help us to better get to a solution for this problem. Where was the dire need and the desperation that sparked the willingness to commit a crime? Because we need to build in programs or put guardrails in place to prevent something like that from happening or something similar happening elsewhere. Something else is, This happened at these small nursing schools in Florida. We know that there's a nursing shortage because there is a shortage of nurse educators in nursing schools. In fact, over 80,000 nursing school applicants get turned away every year. 80,000 people who are really met all the criteria, are ready and qualified to be in nursing programs, but they get turned away because there's just not enough room. How can we expect to meet the needs of the public if we have a shortage of nursing schools? And then is that another reason why, you know, another piece of wood to throw in the fire as to why these illegal acts were created, right? I think there's a lot to uncover, a lot to dig when you're looking at the stories. And we call those different story angles. You can talk about the same story in a million different ways and it not be the same story. You know, I'm hopeful that on social media that we can hear these different angles from different people because. I do media, but, you know, nobody wants to hear from me all the time. By the way, you can go to nurse.org, though. We have amazing writers, amazing contributors. There's always telling great stories. So plug in for nurse.org. But I also want to share and empower other nurses as they embrace their growing role in media and to do so to make sure that you are equipping yourself, preparing yourself to be able to tell these stories. Now, I'm going to insert a little bit of... um research in here. I don't know if you're familiar, but there's something called the Woodhall study where they looked at the representation of nursing and media. 
And several, several years ago, it was only 2%. They redid the study 20 years later, and it was called Woodhall Study 2. And it showed that even less nurses were contributors to media. And in fact, that is what sparked so many of these media training courses that different nursing organizations have decided to put on. I'm here in California, so I'm a member of ANA and ANA California Specific, and I've participated in their Nurse Media Day every year since they've had it. I previously did media coaching. I don't do that anymore. But, you know, there's definitely a need for media coaching to help nurses tell stories. And it's not just these breaking news stories, but if you think of all the research that's out there, there's lots to tell. Nursing, you know, there's lots to talk about when it comes to practice, to policy. And, you know, how many people go back to graduate school and they're doing research and thesis and they never present on them outside of their school, right? There's so many opportunities. And I'll say this, before I went, actually, I I do it still now, but when I really started doing regular television, before NBC, I was at KTLA. And I think I'd be on twice a week. I now have journalistic privileges. So I get stories that are called embargoed. Embargoed stories are, let's say, I'll use an example. So Stanford had what was called the brain, they called it the brain stethoscope. It was basically a device that was basically an EEG that had audio capabilities so you could hear silent seizures. So even though someone wasn't visually having a seizure, you you could hear the seizure based on their EEG waves. And they called it the brain stethoscope to make it catchy. Study, and I think, was it University of Michigan? I think it was University of Michigan. Oh, no, 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 sorry, Stanford. It was Stanford. So I got the study two weeks before its general break to the news. So we call that embargoed content. Embargoed content is content that you get, stories, studies, research. It gives you this, it gives you this story, like a, an overview of the story, it gives you a brief. You have the actual research study that you get to read, and you have access to the researchers themselves should you want to ask questions, do sound bites, or those type of things, and to prepare a package to go on air. So by the embargo date, which was the same for everyone. So for example, if I got something on January 1st, but the embargo date was until January 10th, I could prepare, prep this the story as much as I want. And then on January 10th, everyone could drop the story. Because I know you have to wonder, why do all news stations drop the same research study on the same day? That's the embargo release date. So I have journalistic privileges. So I'm able to get these stories, prep them, and then share. Now, what we also find is a lot of medical schools, medical schools are always sharing the research, always, always, always. It got to a point where medical schools would email me directly and say, hey, Nurse Allen, we have this story. Can you share? So that's also been another tool in my tool belt as to how I'm able to tell so many stories on television and things like that. So nursing. We do a lot of nursing research, but we don't talk about it. So here's an opportunity to, I mean, you could do that and you can talk about other people's research, right? Or we can also talk about the research that nursing does. We could talk about practice, practice issues. That's important. I know when the particular nurse got arrested by police officers because she wouldn't draw a blood alcohol level on a particular patient, you know, that was a practice issue. Talking about what can and cannot be done in the emergency room with police officers, without a subpoena, without patient consent. We've also talked, I've also talked about violence in the workplace, how nurses are subjected to, you know, such a high level of violence in the workplace. That's something. So if we don't tell these stories, the public doesn't know. So, and again, I'm mostly on daytime television. So we have social media now. Very powerful tool, guys. We can tell so many stories. So, you know, I wanted to talk about this 
stuff today because I'm just hearing and seeing a lot of different, lots of stories about nurses. Not all of them are good. And just also remind you that when you're telling stories, these stories go viral. Are these the stories that you want the general public to hear and know about us? Because you're talking to more than your nursing community. Just want you to be aware of that, that you are always representing nursing. So just as much as you are telling a story, I ask you to consider how you are also making the profession look. Now, listen, what's wrong is wrong. I'm not going to condone anything, not going to sweep anything under the rug. But I also want you to not vastly discourage the public to think nursing is all bad news, sad news. Okay, because it's not. We have lots of great stories about nursing and things that nurses do for the public that go unheard and unseen. Let's tell those stories too. I think there's so much that we can tell. I mean, we've we've gotten to see nurses in hospitals, in the battlefields, in governments. Like, let's continue to tell stories, but also if we're telling stories, whether good, bad, or indifferent, ugly, whatever you want to call it, tell the stories, be well-rounded. But something that I like to do is that whenever possible, leave the story on a high note. Leave with something to inspire, aspire, encourage people so they don't lose hope. As the most ethical profession per the Gallup polls, I think it's real important that nurses are honest, we're transparent. Listen, let's call a spade a spade, but let's also identify ways in which we can improve it and remind the public that we are there to take care of them. Sure, there may be some bad apples, but please do not generalize this to everyone else. It may seem like a laughing matter to us within the community because we have a sick humor. Let's be honest, just like those ick stories, we saw that some nurses got fired for that, right? So social media, even though it's your personal social media place, really isn't personal. It's really public. If you identify as a nurse, you show yourself to be a nurse, people are going to scrutinize and look at everything you do with a nurse's lens. It's not fair. It's not always right. I get it. I want to be ratchet and have fun and silly and all those things sometimes too with my friends, but you'll never catch me doing it on social media. You never catch me doing it online. And also I'm, I'm tasteful with mine. So there's just a, just a, so much of that that I will do. But whatever we portray to the public, whatever we portray in the media becomes fact. It becomes law to people. So let's not leave the impression to the public that we're only care about money. We're going to leave the bedside and leave their family members stranded and, you know, uncared for that. We don't care. Those acts seem to demonstrate that we don't care about patient safety, although that's what we're actually advocating for patient safety. Let's just be mindful of what the bigger and fuller picture looks like. So yes, we have our nursing lenses on, but take those nursing lens off for a second. Ask someone who's not a nurse. What does this story look like before you post it? Make sure that whatever you're presenting, cite the source, you know, according to the CDC, according to article ABGAKF, you know, it says that way it doesn't look like you're just speaking loosely and in generality without having done your research. Although I feel like some of some of us nurses have done that. Um, it's a teachable moment. I'm not calling anybody out because I love everyone. I think everyone is has the potential to be so great. And many of you guys are already doing great things. I would just like to see us as a profession unite. And use our growing role in media in a powerful way. So before I leave, for those of you who may be interested in the nurses growing role in media and are interested in media training, I will say that on March 15th, the ANA California has a media day. It's not too late. Go to their website, check it out. Maybe you can register if there's still space. Make sure you sign up there. And if not, 
check with your local ANA to find out when they'll be doing their own media day. That's always, you know, a great thing to do. Just like when you go to, if you get floated, what do you want to do? You want to orient to the unit. I'm always asking, okay, where's a crash cart? What's the med room? What's the code? Where's the break room? Where's the bathroom? Where, you know, I ask those things because I want to know the lay of the land so I know how to operate and conduct myself. Same with media. I know you're a great nurse. I know you provide great care. But to get on television, on a platform, and to speak publicly and with authority and credibility, please know your stuff. Rehearse, practice, prepare yourself for what you're going to say, and also prepare yourself for the difficult questions, the difficult follow-up questions that will come, for the statistics, for the resources that you will be asked. Like, where did you get that data from? Like, know those things. Come equipped. And um, definitely read more than one article before you get on social media and you start talking about something. Now, there's some really great articles. I, I kid you not, Nurse.org has some magnificent articles. But I also have to say that the writers for Nurse.org are wonderful. Research, evidence-based. They talk to these hospitals. They talk to these organizations. They reach out to these nurses. They get the full story. So, you know, I love all of the writers and contributors at Nurse.org. And hey, if you're someone who's interested in following that pathway, you can reach out to Nurse.org. We do have a way that you can submit stories. Maybe you're not ready to tell your story from yourself or write it yourself. You can tip us. We'd be happy to take your article. You know, they look at all pitches. That's one way to do it. Or if you're considering and would like to contribute to Nurse.org, we're open to that too. Go to Nurse.org and look for the article that says, Nurses, submit your stories anonymously to a Nurse.org editor. We always, always check those out. So guys, I'm Nurse Alice. I'm really passionate about media, whether it's television, radio, social media, OTT, there's over 4 million of us. If we all just use our platform to educate and empower people in a positive way, if we were able to dissect difficult and challenging stories, make it basic, basic, make it plain for people and identify what's supposed to happen, we'd also be identifying gaps. And hopefully we can close those gaps, influence the stakeholders, influence the public, and get things to how they should be. So we can do our best, be our best, and have our best, and live our best life. I'm Nurse Alice. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. Shout out to Nurse.org. This podcast is only possible because you guys, they're friends of nurses, guys. They're friends and families of nursing. I love them. Anyways, please share this podcast with a friend, classmate, colleague, coworker, someone that you know who's interested in nursing. And then also leave your comments, your ratings, and reviews on your favorite podcast platform, wherever you're listening to this. I'd love to know what you think. Um, And hey, also let me know if there's something that you want to talk about or if you have a question. In fact, we have a hotline, 725-910-9676. You can text or leave a voicemail, 725-910-9676. Let me know if you have a question, thought, comment, perhaps whatever you share, we can share it on the podcast. Let us know. Love to have you on as a guest as well. And you can email me, nursealice at nurse.org if you like to do it that way. But either way, guys, I love chatting with y'all. I love nursing so much and I want to see everybody be great. So until next time, make good choices, be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education and community resources.